This message was recorded at World Changes Church Gold Coast. It is our hope and mission that you further your understanding of grace and are empowered for change. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the words that we're about to receive from your kingdom. And Father, may it be all of you and none of me. Think through my mind, speak through my vocal cord. Father, may there be no demonic force that has power here today, but may the power of your word. And God, may there be no attention drawn to self, but drawn to the word. Father, every action and every movement from this moment forward will be to bring attention to you through the word. And I thank you for that, Lord God. I honor you for that, Lord God. And it's in Jesus' name we all say. All right, hug a couple of people before you sit down and tell them that you love them. Amen. Come on, tell them that you love them and that you're glad that they're here today. Hallelujah. Peter Chang, I'm jealous of your shoes. I'm going to tell you right now, we're going shopping together. I love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Ethan, I love you. Ellerina, Don, Tegan, Peter, I love you. Amen. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. We want to acknowledge our uh, good Lord. Uh, turned around and there's a bunch of people. We want to acknowledge our Facebook family that's watching us all the way from Singapore and Bangkok and Darwin and across the, where? Across Proserpine. What? Hallelujah. Rex is his name. Good morning, Rex. Amen. We want to welcome all of our Facebook family, so can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Okay. But most of all, we want to welcome you here, so give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Amen. Worship was so good. And we thank God for showing up in each and every one of you. Amen? Now, uh, I have a message this morning that um, is unique. I would totally planned on talking about angels and demons uh, this Sunday in doctrine. And yesterday when I was playing basketball, God began to minister to me about comparison. Amen? Because I was playing with some 25-year-olds and some guys that could dunk. Like, I think they could just get up on their tippy toes and dunk. It was, it was great. And I was, me and Peter, we, we were out there playing. And we had, we had much ambition to win those games. And uh, I was sucking so much wind by the third game, I thought I was going to fall over. And when the fourth game was over and they finally decided to take a break, I said, thank you, God, because I wasn't quitting until they did. <laughs> but I realized I'm not 25 anymore. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But God started speaking to me because I, I wasn't feeling defeated. I, I, I'm, I've never been a pro-am basketball player. I've, even though I'm tall, there's the most lift I can get is off of my shoes. And uh, everybody's like, you must be able to dunk. Mm -mm. Amen. But <clears throat> I didn't have a problem. But as I left the park, God started speaking to me. <clears throat> and I thought it was just for me. And along about 6 o'clock last night, God said, change your message. 
And uh, I said, okay. And I went down and, and laid down, and my son came in the room. He said, Dad, you still going to show me how to draw? And I said, sure. Got through drawing with him, and I realized that even that was important to the message today. And he said, Dad, uh, he started talking about wanting to draw different things, and I realized that there was even a comparison in art. So we're going to go to Core Values Part 3. We've done Part 1 which is intimacy over activity. We've done part two, which was relationship over gain. And then we had a couple of messages about get your provisions ready. And I hope you guys enjoyed that message. Amen. We're going to go into part three, which is contentment over comparison. Contentment over comparison. Um, there's a See, when you have discontentment, you have something that makes you restless and you crave something you don't have. And how many know that uh, it's in the craving that we get tempted? Amen? It's in the craving that we get tempted. It's in the restlessness that we get tempted. And it's in the comparison that we get tempted. Albert Einstein said this, everybody is a genius. Thank you, Albert. Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Amen? So that is to say that a fish is not a monkey or a cat. But as long as a fish compares itself to a monkey or a cat, it will fail at being a monkey or a cat. But if it stays and is content being a fish, it will always be satisfied. Amen? Hallelujah? Have you found in life that a lot of times, either by age or uh, race or country, that you compare yourself to someone else? I wish I could do it like they do it. Amen? And can I tell you this morning, as you live a life trying to fill someone else's shoes, you will never be able to do it, and you will always fail. And so God spoke to me, and I, and I said, this is dangerous. I'm about to say the most radical thing I've ever said out of my mouth. And let me just go ahead and start off by saying that it's formed out of Overcoming Shame, a series by Dr. Dollar, Overcoming Fear, and Overcoming Strife. Three messages that I went and studied last night and said, thank you, Jesus, I'm glad we're going to college again. But as God began to invade my mind, he, he, he started saying something radical about fear and strife and shame and comparison. He said, son... Jesus came and died on the cross, rose on the third day, and he said to the disciples, when I leave you, I will give you a standby, a comforter, the Holy Spirit, will give, which will give you power, which means the ability, the authority to do. But what religion has done is it has gotten us to compare ourselves in work and deed. Here's the radical statement, y'all ready? Don't run. If you leave, we'll just know it's you. Amen. I've got to behave myself, my wife says. But God started speaking to me last night and this morning because I was questioning God, should I say it? And should I even start off the message this way? And he said, Jesus was the example of perfection and sacrifice and obedience which made a way for the finished works. And through those finished works, he gave and we were able to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. But since then, instead of receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, we've been comparing ourselves to the person Jesus and been failing at it every day. 
Yeah. We've been comparing ourselves to the person Jesus and been failing at it every day. You are not the Messiah. All right, let's get a bucket of water and let's all walk on it. You are not the Messiah, but it says, Greater works shall you do in my name as I go unto the Father. That seemed to have put some expectation on us, but if we go to Acts 1 and 8, it says, By the Holy Spirit I have made you witnesses, a storyteller, a news bringer, a sharer of the word. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the very bounds of the earth. Christianity and being a Christian was a mockery in Antioch. You are Christ-like and somewhere along that, all we were doing is that Christ-likeness was the sharing of revelation. That the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You must have spent some time with this Christ. And what you've done as a fish, you've tried to compare yourself to a cat and climb trees. Amen? Stop trying to be Jesus. Be a disciple of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Freedom, 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 man. I just I want, I want to almost be like those guys. Freedom. Freedom, you know. It just doesn't happen that way. That <laughs> It does, but... It's an emotional experience that doesn't sustain itself. Oops. But can I tell you that as long as you're trying to be Jesus, you'll fail at it. But if you'll be a disciple of Jesus, you'll succeed. Amen? We need to be disciples of Jesus. We don't need to try and be Jesus. Well, does that mean that, that I can lay my hands on the sick like he did and they recover? Yes, because you've received power, ability, efficiency, and might of the witness. Paul said, I boast of my weaknesses. I boast of my weaknesses so that Christ, though that God may be glorified. Amen? It's not to say that I'm boasting of old wretched person that I am. No, no, no. Without Christ, there's none of, this is not my power. It is his power that has been given unto me so that I be efficient and have the ability and might to do so. You're failing at Christianity. Oh, man, you're about to be. I told, I, I, I feel it, Wes. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Ah, praise God. Y'all don't know what you're about to get. I looked at Wes yesterday. I said, I'm going to be the guru tomorrow. They're going to be so enlightened tomorrow that, praise God, they're going to walk out of there going, yeah, that's it. Because, see, you've been trying to be like Jesus in your worship and wondering why you ain't feeling nothing. You've been trying to be like Jesus in your prayers, which he didn't, when they asked, show me how to pray, he didn't say, do it as I do it. He gave an example. He discipled them in how to pray. Amen? But as long as you compare yourself to Jesus, he is the intercessor on the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one to bring salvation to mankind. Can you do any of that? But can you be a disciple? Man, I'm messing up some theology this morning. But see, I'm not messing with theology or doctrine. I'm only renewing your mind in the position you're supposed to take. Amen? Amen? 
So, this week I wanted to share with you a personal detail about my life. Um, if you could believe it, I used to face some fears. And I want to help you move forward with your life to step out of the shadows into the light. Anybody reserved about sharing the gospel? You all share it all the time with everybody you come in contact with. Okay. All right. But see, earlier, earlier in my life, I struggled with words like this. Inferiority, inadequacy, insufficiency are just a few words to express my feelings that I tried to master by my self-image. And they all came from comparison. See, when you come into church, watch this, Darren, you ready for this? When you come into church, comparison is, when I say, how are you doing? You say, I'm fine. Praise God, I'm good. Because see, in comparison, you came to church for communal worship, and you came to church because you're feeling good, and you came to church because you want to be godly. Is that why we come to church? We come to church not to put on a self-image of everything is all together, look at me, be like Christ. We come to church to share our problems and to carry our burdens one another to the presence of God. We come to church to fellowship in the Word. We come to church to revelate in the Word. We don't come to church to act like we got it all together. We come to church to get it all together. Amen? Amen? This is your gas station. Fill up. Open up your tank and let God fill you up this morning. Let God speak to you. So as I was listening to Dr. Dollar and overcoming fear, comparison is an ungrounded thing. Comparison is such an ungrounded thing. I'm trying to compare myself to Kiarni. Not really. Because I'll never have hair like her. Amen. <laughs> All right, Dad. <laughs> but see, as long as I'm comparing myself to someone else, even if I'm, see, the biggest thing is I used to compare myself to Todd White. I like Todd White. Don't get me wrong. I'm not coming against him. I used to compare to, I'd go around, Jesus loves you. And I had a lot of success being like Todd White. But then one day when it stopped working, I said, what am I doing wrong? And God said, you're trying to be Todd White. And I said, okay, I'll be more like you. He said, okay, son, speak out the sun out of your mouth and you can be like me. <laughs> Fling the stars from your fingertips and you can be like me. Oh, wait a minute. Expand the universe to boundaries that no man can see and you can be like me. I said, okay. So I had my little Job experience of where were you when I formed the mountains. And I realized I can't be like Todd White. I can't be like God. And I, the only thing I can be like is a disciple of Jesus. Amen? Amen? And a disciple of Jesus is disciplined in the personality of God, disciplined in the actions and characteristics of Jesus. And when you fall, a righteous man gets back up. But see, as long as you struggle with inferiority and adequacy and inefficiency, you will struggle in this thing. So today... I want to share for you my experience with the struggle as well as a truth I found in 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. God has given you power. God has given you power. Amen. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. Not that we have 
the audacity to venture in the class or even to compare ourselves with some who exalt and furnish testimonies of themselves. However, when they measure themselves with themselves and compare themselves with one another, they are without the understanding and behaving unwisely. It is an unwise thing for me to try and be Darren. Me and him have different facial structure. I have a beard, he doesn't. But other than that, if I try and have his anointing, let me tell you what anointing is. Are you ready for this? Catch this. Anointing is not something that comes on you. Anointing is, spent, is the presence of God. And having the anointing on you is spending time with God in intimate times and places with God that establishes that anointing on your life so that you have confidence to do what God has called you to do. So I can't compare my anointing to Darren's because our time with God is different. Our ministering to God is different, and our confidence in God is different. So if I try and have the confidence Darren, Darren has, I'm missing something. One being Darren and the time Darren is spent with God. Quit trying to have somebody else's anointing. Go spend time with God. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Somebody right now is like, let me study this. Okay, I don't want you to trust me. I want you to study it. But as a man that studied the rabbinical and almost became a rabbi as a Jew, there is a few things that I know, and I want to share them with you today. Amen? Amen? So the measuring of themselves. So when, when I started out in ministry, I wondered, who would ever want me at a church or a conference? I stuttered, for one. Did you know I used to stutter? Uh, and I used to have seizures. Did you know that? I used to have dyslexia. Did you know that? I had a 15% reading comprehension. Did you know that? No, I have been delivered from the inadequacies of man and had God completely restore my mind in ways that man couldn't. And, but it was that struggle of the same thing with Moses. Pick somebody else. Why would God want, why would anybody want me to talk in their church? And I realized it wasn't by my measure and ability that I did things. It was by my learning and leaning on God. Amen? <laughs> so when Tina and I were living in a small city and we had, a very, we had very few contacts and a very little circle. And I kept saying to myself, I'm meant for more. I'm meant for more. But every time I'd say I'd meant for more, I'd always come on the backside, how? And I would compare myself to the money that other ministries had. And I need more money. I need more people. I need a bigger platform. I need this and I need that. Amen? I need all these things to make this stuff happen. But I realize that I need none of that and I need Jesus. I need none of that and I need Jesus. Somebody say, I need none of that. But I need Jesus. Amen? Jojo, come with me real quick. I want to borrow you for a second. Come on, but I don't want to hold your hand. I, you're 13 now. Holding your hand with your daddy in public might make you feel weird, even though I want to. Come on, strut up here, buddy. Look at you with your hoodie on, looking all thuggish. Praise God. <laughs> all right. Jojo... Jojo is, is my baby, my, my, my smallest son. But when I say that, he gets this look on his face like, really, Dad, baby? Because can I talk to the people today about you? Is that okay? About your brothers? Yeah. So Jojo is always saying, Jojo is always saying, I'm going to be bigger than Alex. And he says it's because of femur structure, Dad. It's because of femur structure. I can tell I'm going to be tall. 
And, and, and so he's constantly comparing himself to the height of his brothers, and he's constantly comparing himself to his brothers, but he's beginning to realize he's Jojo. Amen? Thank you, son. And if my son at 13 can begin to learn to stop comparing himself to his brothers, don't we need to do the same thing? We look at other people's marriages and we say, I wish my marriage was like that. I wish my man was like that. Had a, mm-hmm, praise God. I would have no problems with my man if he just had a six-pack. Praise God. Listen, honey, as long as you keep wanting a six-pack, he's just going to have to stop eating, and eventually gravity is going to kick in, and he ain't going to look good when he's 50 or 60, and them jaws are going to shake like a bulldog, and you better love him for who he is. Praise God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And men, if you liked her for her, Okay, can I tell you when she has her first baby, and I'm not talking about my wife, hallelujah, that that thing changes a little bit? Y'all like, Pastor, I can't believe you saying that. I can't believe you saying that. No, it's because by the nature of man, we qualify and disqualify social status, relationship, friendships, and even God by what we see and don't see in people's lives. Contentment. Contentment. We need to stop comparing ourselves because it's an unwise thing to do. We compare ourselves by, you know, I, I, I begin to get really upset with things. And God's been talking to me. And as me and Tina begin to schedule ourselves with different meetings, and I, I can remember, Darren, I can remember showing up to churches with one person. And it was a person that came with me. Hallelujah. Revival night. Well, I guess me and you about to turn this thing up. And then the pastor finally decided to show up looking in the back like, well, I guess you ain't anointed, praise God. But I remember preaching the house down one revival night saying, God, I'm no longer challenged by comparison. I'm not challenged by how many people show up anymore. If one shows up, and even if it's the person coming with me, I'll minister to them, the angels in heaven, and we'll make this thing happen. I did that that night, amen. And guess what? The next night, there was 125. The next night, they couldn't fit them all in the place because I stopped comparing myself by the qualification of who showed up and didn't show up to say I was anointed or not. The Word of God qualified me by what it said about me. The Holy Spirit empowered me by what it gave me. And God established me to be His righteousness by sending His Son to die on the cross so that I could be. Amen. You can't tell me that I'm not righteous just because I got holes in my jeans. Hallelujah. I wore these just for some of these folk that wear holy jeans. This is the most I could muster up because you don't want to see my legs. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all can go ahead and laugh. It's okay. So there was simply no logical reason for why anybody would invite me to, to teach the Word of God. There was no logical reason. I didn't have the look. I mean, back in the day, I'd like to think I looked better, but I didn't have the look. Uh, I would try and wear the suit. I didn't have the look. I didn't have the political nature to keep my mouth shut. So it was just hard for me. And amen. Thank God for that. Amen. So as we begin to schedule these meetings, the enemy would constantly bombard my mind with tormenting thoughts that would inflame old feelings of insecurity. Insecurity is fanned by someone else's insecurity. 
Insecurity is fanned by someone else. I mean, you never fanned a fire? Insecurity is fanned by someone else's insecurity. Stop thinking that that person that's talking to you is so perfect. They're actually just as insecure as you are. And instead of getting insecure with them, why don't you just get confident in God because you spent time with God and helped them out of your, their insecurity and establish you've overcome your insecurity and let the flames and fire of God fan you both. Amen? But by comparison and letting someone else compare us to themselves or others, we fall short. It's like a fish trying to be a cat climbing a tree. You're, 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 you're an eagle. You're meant for more. And you're not meant to be called into your insecurities, but you're meant to be called into the confidence and covenant of God. And if somebody's reminding you of how much you're failing in that covenant, remind them that that covenant wasn't about you being able to do anything in the first place. That covenant of Jesus on the cross dying was about him dying for us so that you could achieve through the power of the Holy Spirit the things that mankind was failing at. So it ain't just me failing, it's everybody failing, but by the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, we now live in abundance. Romans 4 and 16 says sin no longer has dominion over you. Y'all loving this this morning? You learning anything? Amen. Amen. But frequently, frequently we, we're bombarded. I would leave meetings and my, my mindset would struggle and, and I would tell Tina and she would try and encourage me. Uh, baby, I love you for that. I love Tina for the way she wouldn't let me quit. Amen. But sometimes she would just look at me, well, just go ahead and quit then. Praise God. But it was calling my bluff. Sometimes you got to get somebody out of complaint and comparison and just call their bluff and say, well, if you want to quit, just quit then. Well, why would you say that? I thought you would just have sympathy on me. You're so mean. You're so rude to say that to me. Well, you've been ranting for the last, you've been whinging for the last five hours about how you're just going to quit, so why don't you just quit or get up and move on? Amen? Amen. Some folk just need to be, some people need to be patted on the bottom like a little baby with some baby powder. Other people just need a nice kick in the butt. Get up, get yourself up right now, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Just, uh, just, would you just stop crying so much? Just talking to you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We were scheduled all over the place. I remember we were scheduled in a conference, the same conference that people like Gregory Dickow and John Maxwell and Dr. Dollar. And, it, and I, I was just like, I was so amazed that I was among these great men. And then fear began to, in, began to come back in and assault me. I wasn't worthy to be on the same card as these other speakers. Rather than being blessed by the meeting and blessed by the way they talked when it was almost my time to talk, I was... I had negative thoughts of comparison, constantly saying to myself, you don't measure up to these other speakers. Your style isn't like theirs. You are nothing. You have nothing to offer in comparison to others. You don't have a book. You haven't done this. You haven't done this. You'll live as a failure all your life, and you'll never be accepted. And that's the moment I said, you're exactly right. If I keep comparing myself to John Maxwell, Dr. Dollar, Gregory Dickow, John Hagee, 
whoever other name you want to throw in there, I will always fail at being a speaker like them. But the moment I accept who I am with this microphone, by the power of God, people will begin to be delivered. Shake and healings will happen in Jesus' name because I'm being me. Hallelujah. I'm being me in Christ. I'm not trying to be you, and you shouldn't try and be me. And would you please quit telling me what I should talk about while I'm preaching? Who does that? I'm just forewarning you. <laughs> I got a ministry team, and I trust them. Amen. I got a group of people that we get together and talk about the Word. We challenge each other in the Word. Praise God. Hallelujah. I felt, well, we just established it, and I know that I'm confident in the people on the team are going to challenge me. I fell into the trap of measuring and comparing myself to others. And the end result was always feeling like I was hopeless. Anybody ever felt hopeless? Come on, Christians, be real. Hallelujah. Somebody else needs to see your hand. Let's stop, let's stop being ashamed. Anybody ever felt hopeless? Hopeless means you were absent of hope you, and, and you had moved into fear instead of faith. Have we ever had a faithless moment? Now, I don't expect to raise your hand, but you just did because absence of hope is absent of faith. Amen? And if we're not rooted and grounded in the Word of God and the identity of God, we will lose hope and we'll lose faith. The devil literally tries to devastate us all with feelings of inadequacy, deficiency, inferiority by looking at who we are and what we do. Amen? Man, I'm free. And you're going to be the most free church on the Gold Coast after hearing this message. I prophesy right now in Jesus' name, you are the freest church in Jesus. You may not come to this church. You may just be visiting. But if you'll take on this word, hallelujah, you're the freest person on the Gold Coast right now because you're stopped trying to be something you're not, and you're just going to be who you are in God, like Paul said. Amen? Amen. God is so good. The more I compared myself to others, the more I felt less than. Anybody felt less than? Amen. And the more, that is until God's spirit reached into my heart and set me free. I've told you about that. So the reason I share this intimate struggle of my past is that now there are many who compare themselves to others as I once did. In fact, it may be your struggle today. And as long as you're comparing your marriage to mine or mine to yours, as long as you're comparing your friendships to others. See, you have friends right now and you seem to get along with some more than you do the other, but those other friends just like you for you. And you're at the center and the leader of this pack. And, and see, what? And you're in the leader of this group of people and you're sitting there and you're comparing how your other friends treat you. You're comparing to how they act with this one when they're not with you. And you're like, why don't you do that with me? Because they're with them. And your relationships are constantly in turmoil because you're, you're saying, why don't you do that with me? Why didn't you invite me? Why wasn't I a part of what you said? Well, that's because we were doing that and we're separate friends, but we're a group of friends. And the Christian culture, inside of a church and a communal uh, community of worship, we come together and we start comparing our worship. We start comparing how this one smiles or how Pastor Kyle shakes that hand and hugs this one and talks to that one more than the other one. And can I just tell you that's who I am to them, but that's not who I am to you. I'm Kyle to you. Amen. And you need to be you to me, and we need to stop comparing all our relationships. My relationship with God is not yours, and it's going to act a little different. God lets me get away with more stuff than he does you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That is not doctrine. 
That is not right. That was a joke. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. Somebody going to go home today. God lets me get away with it more than he does you. No sin is sin, y'all. It's still sin. No matter if you're okay with it or not. Uh, praise God. <laughs> oh, man, I, I got to be careful with my words. It is, <laughs> I hope that you found in 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 something revealing. But see, I want to go to, we're going to break this down in a minute. We're going to come back to 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. But I want to go to Philippians 4 and 12. I want to talk about contentment for a second. I want to tell you why I'm talking to you about this. And I want to tell you why contentment versus comparison is such a powerful message. I want to tell you why it's such a revealing thing. I know how to be abased and to live humbly in straightened circumstances. And I know also how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. I have learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation, whether well-filled or hungry, having sufficiency and enough to spare or going without and being in want. See, like Paul, I had to learn the value of life through facing um, lymphoma in my son. I had to learn the value of relationships by almost losing my wife. I had to learn the the benefit of money by having none and being homeless. I had to learn the sufficiency of God by having no sufficiency in self. Wrecked, no job, health in a turmoil, feeling like why should any why am I why should I get up and talk about God anymore? I'm such a wreck. But what I learned, like Paul, is that no matter what state I am in, my state of being is not humanity. My state of being is God because of the time I spend with him. Because Philippians 4 and 13 is the secret that Paul talks about. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Comparison is trying to be a champion when Jesus Christ is the champion of your life. Comparison is trying to be strong in prayer like someone else when prayer is just a conversation with God. Comparison actually puts you in competition with those around you and actually makes you weaker than strong. But contentment puts you in a place of being with God that simply says that no matter what state I am in, that is not my being. That is not who I am or my definition. My definition is Jesus Christ. My definition is a resurrected Savior. And the same Holy Spirit that raised Him from the dead lives on the inside of me. My definition is that I may look poor right now and I may have zeros in my bank account. But see, my God supplies all my needs according to His riches and glory. My comparison is not with anything in this natural realm. My comparison is not in competition, but I am content to say this morning that I am sufficient in Christ's sufficiency, and so are you. And I am content in that fact. Amen? Are you getting it this morning? Stop comparing yourself. Stop comparing yourself. 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 the reason I share this is I hope you find the freedom that I did. When the Apostle Paul wrote this to the epistles of the Corinthians, he told them 
And the word there, wise, comes from a Greek word that means especially enlightened, wise, sharp, or bright. So let's put the verse back up there, 2 Corinthians 10 and 12, because I want to see that when you look at sophos, the Greek word that means especially enlightened, wise, sharp, or bright, that what Paul is actually saying here is that comparing yourself among yourself is not the wisest, sharpest, or brightest thing to do. Comparing yourself to others is not the wisest, sharpest, or brightest thing to do. It can attest, I can attest to this from personal experience and comparing yourself to others is not the brightest thing to do because it is fruitless. It is fruitless. See, if I try and preach a message by Dr. Dollar this morning, just reading his transcripts, I am going to echo Dr. Dollar. I am going to be an echo of him from the United States. But see, I went and sought these messages and put them together by the revelation of God to seek God's face for you this morning to be a voice of the revelation of what I'm talking to you about. And if you just go repeat what I say, you're an echo of me. But if you go seek this out in prayer, you become a voice to contentment versus comparison. Stop comparing yourself amongst yourselves. Stop comparing your marriage to mine. Stop comparing your husband to someone else. Stop comparing your wife to someone else. Stop comparing your, your religious status or their religious status to, well, they don't shake or shift when they pray. Well, that don't mean nothing. That just means they might have got a cold chill or that's what they've been taught to do. Can I just tell you, what matters is your confidence in God. Amen? 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 And the word comparing in 2 Corinthians 10 in the Greek uh, is spelled S-U-N-K-R-I-N-O. Now, anybody that can say that, say it. S-U-N-K-R-I-N-O. And it paints a picture of two or more people standing side by side and thoroughly examining themselves in comparison one to another and then critically judging to see who is superior among the two candidates. That's what comparing yourself does. Is comparing yourself to see who is superior. Is that not putting yourself in the position of God? Wes, come here, buddy. And Peter Chang, you might as well come here too in your shoes. <laughs> Two of us have a beard. Wes is better than mine. One of us doesn't, so we're superior in beards right now. Hold on, I'm going somewhere. And all three of us have shoes. My mind has scuffs and, well, Wes is DC's and those are good shoes. But those are brand new, beautiful shoes. So right now in shoes, he has superior shoes. And my pants have holes and so does Peter's, but Wes's doesn't. So right now, he's been diminished from the calculation. But see, Peter Chang's. Holes are bigger than mine, so he's superior in holes. That came out wrong. Um, but does any of that mean anything in the kingdom of God? Thank you, guys. Does any of that mean anything other than social status, trend, style, and the things we constantly compare ourselves to? We define a good-looking man by his jawline. We define a good-looking man by the sharpness of his cheeks and the bulk of his build and the bubble in his bottom. 
Hallelujah. Ladies, there's not many men that look like that. But see, many of women in marriage counseling have told me they wish they would have married a man not for his looks, but for the God that's in him. Many of women over the last 17 years have shared with me these things. And many of men have said, I wish I wouldn't have went for looks. But also, I know a wife that traveled with a man for 10 years as he was incapable of love and incapable of sharing and incapable of being a father and a husband. I know a wife that challenged for 10 years and in the last seven has been rebuilding herself. And she is your pastor, Pastor Tina. Because I know a man that wasn't perfect when my wife met her. And she didn't, uh, wait a minute, when, <laughs> when I met her and she met him. And I know a man that wasn't perfect. And she decided the only reason that she was going to be my wife was not because she was attracted to me, but because God said marry this man. And she decided that every time that she wanted to walk away, that this was not what God wanted. And the only reason she was staying was not because I'm a sorry and I promise and I'll change. Because men, you know you do that with flowers and candy on the backside and think it's all good. So if I could tally up all the I'm sorry's and I'll do better in the last 10 to 17 years, I could probably say if I gave her a dollar for every one, she would be richer than me. Hallelujah. So stop comparing your marriages to others. I, I love it when you guys say, you guys are just the epitome of love. We in the background like, yeah, they just don't know. Hallelujah. But I got to be transparent with you. Every marriage struggles. Just like Instagram, you only see what you see, but you don't know the late night arguments and the foodless nights and the bills and the stress and the, the house and the things breaking and the stubbing and the, all the stubbing of your toe moments and the, all the ranting and all the ugly. You just see the, we good? Yep, yep, hallelujah. You see the Sunday morning shine, but you don't see the Monday night. Amen? And while you're coming in here wishing you could be like Neil and Carrie or Kyle and Tina or anybody else, you're realizing that your marriage is not perfect and you're realizing your man isn't either. But stop comparing yourself to me and stop comparing your marriage to mine and just be married. Just be married and let God work on what's necessary in your marriage because your man, your woman needs God too. Amen? Are you enlightened? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm enlightened. So, <laughs> finally, we're all normal. Fall in love again. Fall in love with the normal in your life. See, can I say this to you? Write this down, married folk. Write this down. Write this down, married folk. And if you're single, write it down too. <laughs> all right. Praise God. But some married folk need this. See, marriage is filled with moments of wonder. But it's normal. You need to fall in love with normal. And if you keep falling in love with the romantic Hollywood comparison of marriage, that's wonder. That's not normal. Marriage is filled with moments of wonder. But it's normal. We're all normal when it comes to being together. And we need to stop fleshly comparing ourselves, looking for spiritual fruit. Amen? In Corinthians, believers were fighting among themselves to prove who was the greatest among them. 
I think a lot of times we come to church and do the same thing. We want to make everybody believe we're fine when we're silently suffering. I'm not trying to get you to fall apart today. I'm trying to get you to realize that we need to rebuke the comparison. And we need to reprove and bring about the contentment. We need to stop telling people how bad their husbands and wives are and how bad their jobs are. And we need to stop letting them complain so much. We need to start saying, if God be God, he can do all things. And he can complete a work that he started. And I can tell you, don't go weary in well-doing, Galatians 6 and 9. For in due season, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Comparison makes you give up. Oh, Lord, I'm preaching this morning. Hallelujah. I can tell y'all liking it because you're sitting back and writing it down or you're just mad at me. But just know that God allows you to forgive me tomorrow. Hallelujah. It's going to be all right. Y'all, only a few of you laugh, so a lot of you are mad. Hallelujah. Going back to the safety of my notes. I didn't have a problem really feeling inferior because I could beat anybody up in the room. Isn't that comparison? I had an issue with feelings of, after this, superiority. Religion created superiority in me. Constantly judging people. Constantly telling them how they should be. And, and discipleship turned into what my life looked at and recreating myself in others. I see, I used to think discipleship meant I recreated myself in someone. But see, discipleship is the discipline of a thing and disciplining others in a thing. Amen? We need some discipleship in the kingdom of God. Amen? However, there are principles in this verse in Corinthians. Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. There's some principles of and verses here in the Holy Spirit that help us free from the spiritual inferiority that tried to plague us, that has tried to plague the kingdom of God. And now today, if you be free, you can live your life as God called you to be right now in Jesus' name. God, listen to me, God intentionally made you different. Well, that just makes me mad. I don't like this gap in between my teeth. Well, they make dentists. You can go get that fixed. Amen? God intentionally made you different. And your uniqueness has called you to a unique people like you that struggle in the same way you do. God intentionally made you with divine design. Your mannerisms, your insights, and your styles are different from others. And your qualities make you uniquely positioned to fulfill a specific need in this world. You are a gift to this world. Stop comparing yourself and think that you're falling short. You are a gift. Someone shout, I'm a gift to this world. Somebody shout, I'm the righteousness of God. Of course, we all have specific areas we need to work on. So I'm not giving freedom from that. And God will show you the areas one at a time, but it comes through your relationship with him. 
and your relationship with the Word and your fellowship with others, being, being able to be transparent. See, the reason I want to kill comparison is I want to create a safe place for all Christians to be able to come and talk about their life and be able to share what they're going through and receive prayer to be able to be enlightened with understanding and empowered to change. I want to create this place. Wait a minute. We're standing in it right now. But religion and man has created it to be something so different. We come in with comparison and the I'm fines and I'm all, I got it all together. I don't want any, I want people to follow me. So, you know, I've got to be the sufficient leader. Listen, I'm the most jacked up person you've ever met in your life and I'm your leader. So hallelujah, amen. Just follow me as I follow Christ. And when I stop following Christ, definitely stop following me. I just don't know what to say about that. I just, are you saying that we're all imperfectly perfect? Yes. I am saying that you are all imperfectly perfect. And as long as a man or woman is following Christ, you should listen to what they're saying. The moment they stop following the Spirit, the moment they stop following God, you should question and challenge them so that they come back into their identity. And that's what we're supposed to do inside of the house of God is challenge each other back into our true identity, not the false perceptions of humanity that try and tell us we got to have six-pack and a perfect tan. Let me tell you what, I'm the most good-looking man you know because I think I am. Stop. But see, <laughs> there's a joy coming up in the morning. But no, see, here's what it, I remember my wife watched this movie that I didn't get to watch because it was too much. But it was, I think I'm pretty. I'm not telling you to go watch that movie. But when she came and told me what this movie was about, it was about a woman that was average. And she really didn't think she was pretty, but she hit her head like most of us shouldn't do, but she hit her head and she developed an inner confidence that she was able to attract to her the things she desired because she was confident in that she was supposed to have them. See, inner confidence and contentment is so much better than external beauty and facade. Amen? And when you believe you're beautiful and when you believe you're handsome and that you're perfect, I told my wife just the other day we were going to Mike's and I knew I was about to eat a full rack of ribs but it turned into a half a rack of ribs. I knew I was about to eat some carbs, Mike. I really knew that I was about to chow down on some food and I started thinking about calorie count and I said, you know what? I'm happy with my dad bod. I'm happy with me and I don't care if anybody doesn't like me. I really don't. There's probably in your eyes people that are more attractive than me, but that's okay. That's what you're attracted to. <sighs> Amen. But as long as my wife is attracted to me, and as long as God says I am the righteousness of God and I'm beautiful in his eyes, that's all I need. Amen. That's all I need. Your picture of health is not my picture of health. Amen. But, of course, we all have areas that we need to work on. When I finally understood what God 
was saying to me and his plan, I began to accept that God made me this way. God didn't make me with my failures. God didn't make me with my shortcomings. These are the things I've accepted by what man has told me in comparison to man, what we've been taught. But see, when I accepted that my humor is my humor and it's okay to be funny, and my intellect is my intellect and it's okay to share it the way I interpret it, and my speech is my speech. It's able to talk. I'm, I should talk the way I talk, even if it is grammar insufficient. It doesn't matter. I need to accept me. Paul said, I am who I am. I am who I am. You are uniquely you. So as I close, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever struggled with being different from others? None of us have. I'm just going to put my head down, and we're opening up the altar for all those that have lied right now. Because <laughs> you are all different from everybody else because you are you. What is your name? If I was to ask you all to say your name at once, it would sound like tongues because it would be different names. The reality is, is that you are different. Your name is different. Your actions are different. But there is one thing that we have that is the same, and that is our God. We have one faith, one mind, and one judgment. And we have a word that we can stand upon. And as long as we live inside of there, and as long as we don't compare ourselves to the word, but we are confident and content in what the word says about us, we can no longer fail because it says to Joshua, meditate in this law and let it not depart from your mouth and you shall prosper and succeed and never fall. Meditate, meditate on the word because what you meditate on is what you consecrate on and what you give power to. I can confidently say to you that while there is people out there that are comparing Christianity and revival to what will bring the next revival, it's because they're looking at what didn't in the past. You want a revival, revive your confidence in the Word. You want a revival, revive your confidence in your prayer time. You want a revival, bring dead things back to life, things that you know work. Be experts at the basics. Pray, laugh, live, love, be patient, be kind, be all the fruits of the Spirit. Stop doing all the other things don't work. Be experts at the basics. If you want to have a webinar on the basics, be the best webinar on the basics ever seen. Don't try and recreate what God has already established. Don't try and make it better than what it is. Quit trying to be so profound when you're talking about the Word of God. And just be an expert at the basics. Be who God has called you to be. Be who God has called you as individuals to be and as a body. If you don't try and be me and you don't try and be your neighbor, we will do more together because we will all have different insight on the same topic and we'll have one mind, one faith, 
and one judgment, and we'll be able to tackle a city. See, I care about this city. I care about God. I care about the Gold Coast. God may have called an American to Australia, and yes, we may want more Australians to stand up and talk in the place of me, but I can tell you something. God didn't call that person. God called me to this church, and I'm not ashamed that I'm American in Australia, and I don't need you to tell me how I should talk as an American in Australia. I am an American in Australia like a werewolf in Paris. I'm I'm going to tear some things up while I'm here. I'm going to tear some things down while I'm here. I didn't come here to conform. I came here to reform and transform this city by the power of God. I am no longer going to sit back and shut up and be ashamed because of these things. So no matter who you are, we got the most multicultural church I've ever seen. We got people from Zimbabwe, Russia. We got people from Canada. We got people from all walks of life, New Zealand and the islands. But can I tell you something? We're all one in the spirit. So my, my, my culture may be different than yours, but my kingdom culture is the same as yours. And we can get together and we can pray together. And one can send a 1,000 to flight and two can send 10,000 to flight. I may not say it the way you say it and I may not read it the way you read it, but our spirit is the same. It's time that we break down all the social indifferences of comparison, theology, and denomination. And we live as Christians. And I'm not trying to form a new religion or a new denomination. I'm time, it's time, God is saying, it's time to bring the body of Christ back together Tear down your steeples that separate you. Put your Bibles in one pile and realize they all say the same thing in a different way. Put all your messages together and realize you are saying the same thing in a different way. Realize that you're leaving things out because you don't like it and you're comparing what's right and wrong by your view and your mindset. But it's time we come together to save a city. It's time we come together to save the lost. It's time we come together to feed the homeless. It's time we come together to help the widow and the helpless and the harm, the least lost and last. It's time we come together for something more than just disagreement and agreement of I'm fine today. It's time we come together not just to communally worship. It's time we come together to do more than just show up. It's time we come together to do something in our community. It's time. Somebody, you need to stand up right now as soldiers of God and say it is time that we stop comparing ourselves amongst ourselves and get content that this is exactly where God has called me to be. We look around, look around. You're now looking at each other safely. Look at your neighbor and see them as God sees them. This is a safe place and we will challenge a city. So as we sing this song, if you need prayer for anything, I want you to come up right now in Jesus' name. World Changes Church Gold Coast can be found at Instagram at WCC Gold Coast and on Facebook at World Changes GC. Or you can email us, send to info at worldchangeschurch.com.au. Enjoy the rest of your day and God bless.